Good morning, everyone, and happy feast day. We are celebrating uh, with solemnity the patron feast of our parish. For those who are visiting, if you're wondering why, it's, it's, a, it's a, his feast day was yesterday. And when I visited uh, Tolentino, Italy, uh, where uh, St. Nicholas's body uh, is in repose, um, there in that little town in Italy, they um, celebrate his, what we call birthday, the day he passes from this world to the next, with great solemnity. Uh, the whole town comes to the basilica, and uh, all the young folk come, and they have music videos playing, and then they have dancing, and they have food. Uh, so it's a great celebration, but it's all weekend long. So we started our celebration yesterday with a celebration outside, and we had music, and there was dancing, and the young ones had uh, faint pacing. Uh, so there was all kinds of things going on. So I remember Father Guestino, and St. Nicholas is an Augustinian monk, uh, so he's from the Augustinian order, and uh, we remember uh, Father uh, Guestino and all Augustinian monks in this time as they celebrate. My friends, our first reading, we are told Moses becomes the uh, intercessor person. He, be, he intercedes before God for the people who have just gone there. They just lost their minds in the desert. They've gone crazy, if you will, and uh, they are being sinful. So Moses becomes the intercessor. In our time, Jesus is our intercessor. We need no other anymore. He remains our intercessor until the end of the times. And so we're thankful for that. My friends, we see St. Paul. St. Paul, because of his conversion, in his conversion, he becomes, uh, his whole life then becomes a confession to the fact that Jesus Christ has entered our world to condemn us. No, to save us. And this is what Paul is getting at in that second reading. And I want to make note that Paul, his, before he's converted, Jesus approaches him. And in the midst of what he's doing, he's persecuting Christians, and he's being a blasphemer, he comes. So Jesus comes to offer him mercy and forgiveness before the conversion, not after the conversion. It's in the midst of his interaction with Christ that he realizes, I've been arrogant and wrong, and he converts. So even in the midst of our sins, our Lord comes to us. And Mother Church is here to help us with this. And so, my friends, we see, um, we're told the Pharisees and scribes are shocked by Jesus of Nazareth because he does something that is unheard of in, in their time uh, that would be amongst the Jewish people. He welcomes sinners, and he actually sits down at the table and eats with them. And uh, in the orthodox view of Jesus' time, sinners were re to be avoided. You didn't go near them. You didn't touch them. You didn't touch anything they touched. And the Pharisees and the scribes of Jesus' time not only do they not believe that sinners can be saved, but they are deserving of destruction by God. So, to refute this, Jesus is talking to them and he's telling them stories, trying to get them to rethink everything that they have been thinking. And Jesus, in Jesus' time, his nation, his country was divided, not unlike ours. But we have it a little bit worse because we have governments that are just nutty right now, and they're divided. So in Jesus' time, it was primarily the religious people of his time. He was trying to bring them together. So it's not. So now you understand when you hear Jesus talk about the Father and I are one, he's bringing up this whole theme of unity because it was very disunited. And this same time happens for us, right? 
So my friends, in doing so, he's hoping to readjust the way the Pharisees and scribes think and anybody else who's self-righteous in Jesus' time. He teaches that God does not avoid sinners, that God loves all his people that he has created, and including the sinners, and that God actively searches sinners out so that he can save them. The viewpoint then is that sinners are not necessarily doomed, and as the parables tell us, they are simply lost. God wants them back. They will have to have a conversion. They cannot remain in their sin. It has to change. But we see how God goes about doing that. My friends, um, the three stories that we have, the story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin, and the story of the lost son, uh, help us to understand what Jesus is trying to get at. In each case, someone grieves over what is lost, and that someone searches in hope of finding what was lost. The good shepherd leaves the 99 sheep and searches for the one lost one until he finds it. My friends, the thing about that particular parable is Jesus says, what shepherd having 99 sheep but losing one will go? And you know what the answer is in Jesus' time? No shepherd's going to do that. That shepherd is not going to leave the big flock to go after the one. And that's why Jesus then finishes the story. But that shepherd, and who's he talking about? He's talking about his father. His father will go to get that one that's strayed. So it's amazing, the parables. The grieving father in the prodigal son story, he is obviously in a place on a hill because presumably every day he goes out to look to see if his son who ran off is coming back yet. And um, that is why he's able to see the son returning while the, as we're told, while the young man was still far off, the father sees him at a distance. And he goes out to him. And the diligent old woman, we are told, lights a lamp and sweeps her house until she finds a coin. Often, and I have done this as a preacher, often the coin is presented uh, as something that has no value or like a penny. It's only like a copper. But uh, it doesn't really, the scriptures never told us that, but um, that's one way to read it. Uh, but now I look at it and say, well, it begs the question, why is the old woman searching so frantically for it if it's only a penny. And um, we're told she uses oil in her lamp. Oil in their time was extremely expensive. So she's burning away good money, if you will. And then more than that, she takes the energy to sweep her house trying to find this coin. She lights the lamp so that the lamp, the life in the lamp might glitter or gleam off the coin and she can see it easier. And then she sweeps, hoping that the coin will ding something. If I sweep hard enough, it'll hit something out here. Ding! And I will find it. I'm looking for. Uh, she's looking for what has been lost. So my friends, then the coin must be precious to the woman. Uh, maybe it's because whatever its value is, it's going to buy food for the family. Or it could be that whatever it is has sentimental value to her like an heirloom, if you will. And then we understand, no wonder she's frantic in the sense of lighting the lamp and sweeping. She's looking for the thing that is lost. 
So my friends, Jesus, in telling these stories, is trying to tell us that his Father is like this. So um, the parables, while it can be about us, is really about God. He is searching for the one who has lost their way, the one who is in sin. And uh, God is like the diligent woman when it comes to searching for the sinner. And we hear that uh, the woman was rejoicing with the angels. So that means God, with his angels, rejoice when one sinner is saved and returned. Or rescued is another way to look at it. And God is like the good shepherd. He is the one shepherd who will lead the 99 and go after that one to bring the one back. And God is like the forgiving father who goes to that place of high ground and scans the horizon every day for the sight of his child who has gone off. So, my friends, I ask that you reread the gospel. It's long, but reread it. And let the lessons that Jesus was trying to teach about the Father sink into your hearts so that those lessons can fill you with joy and hope. In our time when we, this whole world needs joy and hope, here is the hope and joy found in these parables. They are stories about the love and longing of, on God's part and about our worth and preciousness in his eyes. Insert your names into the parables so that you can further make them so personal and so relatable. Isaiah the prophet, in speaking about God from Old Testament, said this, Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, this is God speaking to him, and I love you, I give people in return for you and nations in exchange for your life. He's trying to communicate the preciousness of his people to him. And then from 1 Timothy also, we heard from, but later on, St. Paul writes, It is good and pleasing to God our Savior, who wills everyone to be saved. He does not wish anyone to remain in their errors and to come to the knowledge of his truth, not the world's truth. His truth, 1 Timothy 2.3. And my friends, from Sirach, how great is the mercy of the Lord and his forgiveness and for those who will return to him. And Second Chronicles 30, if you return to the Lord, you will find mercy. The Lord your God is gracious and merciful and he will not turn his face away from you when you return to him. But there must be a repentance of some type, some type of uh, willingness to move back into that holiness. And so, my friends, I leave you with this. You are precious to God. And it is a great rejoicing when God is able to do as we see the characters in the parable, the woman, the shepherd, the father, when he is able to recover what has been lost, but even more, he puts what was lost back in its proper place. So if you're a sinner, you, do you go to the bottom of the line? The bottom, no. Bottom of the bucket, no. He puts you right back up into the family position. So this is the good news, and this is the hopefulness and the joy that we have. And my friends, this is the remedy for the disease that plagued society. I want you, this is the remedy. If this is the remedy, if this is the cure, I need you to think, what must the disease be and how bad is it? If that is the cure, that's the cure. Look. How bad is the disease then? 
What is the disease? Sin and ignorance. That was the price that had to be paid to fix it. I need you to think about that. But the great news is God, even in the midst of that, comes and approaches. He doesn't wait. He tries to get you back 